Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy, of advancing education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts. Welcome back to Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. My name is Matt Morton, editor-in-chief at buffalorumblings.com and host of this show on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. As the Bills continue into the offseason, we're still going to be taking your Bills questions about the 2020 season and beyond. You can call us at 716-508-0405. You can tweet us at rumblingsq&a. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle. You can email us, buffalorumblings at sbnation.com. Send us Facebook messages, Instagram messages. Leave comments in the show notes at buffalorumblings.com. There's a ton of ways to get in touch with the show, and we would love to hear from you for next week's episode and every episode beyond that. We've got lots of exciting series starting at buffalorumblings.com as we get into the deeper part of the offseason where we're going to be taking a look back at the last decade, taking a look back at 2019 as well. So make sure you check out all of that stuff. Now, it's time to get to all of your questions about the Bills. Before we get into your questions this week, I wanted to talk briefly about the Sammy Watkins news that came out this week, uh, that he was partying his way through Buffalo when he was rehabbing through injury, rehabbing incorrectly, uh, really at odds with uh, Sean McDermott when McDermott was hired by the Bills and eventually he was shipped out. It, it's it got to be ter- terrible for Sammy Watkins to come to Buffalo and be drafted by Doug Whaley um, with, with Doug Marone then have to go through the Rex Ryan era and then have to transition again, head coaches to Sean McDermott. Uh, He was young. He made a lot of bad decisions, which is going to be kind of a theme coming up here for the Bills, if you're going to see in a second, and really derailed his entire career. Uh, His success that he's having with the Chiefs really isn't even as good as his first two seasons in Buffalo. Um, But by his own admission, Watkins was high and drunk most of the time that he was in Buffalo. And if you read his uh, profile by Tyler Dunn in Bleacher Report, which we linked uh, on the website and I'll put into the show notes here, is you see this profile of this very hurting player uh, mentally and physically when he was in Buffalo. And you can see why all of it kind of coalesced into what actually happened with Sammy Watkins being traded away from the Bills when Sean McDermott took over as Bills head coach and eventually Brandon Bean as general manager. And it was really sad to read kind of the, the whole self-sabotaging that he went through when he was in Buffalo, whether it's taking his walking boot off early because he wanted to go for a jog around town or, you know, when he was not listening to coaches, not listening to his rehab folks. It just, um, it it was really sad to read because he just had so much talent and still does have so much talent, but 
is probably never going to be fully realized because of some of the things that he did to his body early in his career. So um, make sure you read all of that over at buffalorumblings.com and uh, Bleacher Report uh, to get the full picture of what happened before and after that. Um, that was the first kind of you know downer news that came out this week. And then, of course, this weekend, uh, Ed Oliver was arrested for DWI and illegally carrying a weapon. Uh, another example of a young player who made bad decisions, but hopefully Oliver is going to be the type of player that turns it around. He's got support built in around him, whether it's Cal Williams, who has kind of taken him under his wing a little bit from afar, or guys that are actually on the team that have that are going to be hopefully seeing him every day at some point in the near future that can kind of get him back on track. There's a couple different ways that this can go for Oliver, and one of them is that it can go very badly and he can be getting into trouble every offseason doing stupid stuff, or he can learn from this and use it as a growth experience. And as a 22-year-old guy, it is perfectly reasonable to expect that he can use it as a growth experience moving forward. There's plenty of guys on those Bill Super Bowls teams and beyond that made really dumb decisions earlier in their career and used it to either fuel them going forward or at least inform them going forward into the rest of their careers and the rest of their lives. And a lot of us, when we're 22, do really stupid stuff. Um, We still don't actually know the full extent of Ed Oliver's stupid stuff because we know he was driving while intoxicated. Uh, We know that he had an illegal gun in his car, but we don't know why that gun was illegal. Um, And that, of course, makes a difference. If it was everything was legal about it, except for that he was drunk with it or driving drunk with it, then it obviously changes the equation on the gun. I really don't want to speculate a whole lot more, um, but we're still waiting for facts to come out as far as that's concerned. It was obviously stupid. It was dumb. Um, Having a beer between your legs while you're driving is dumb. Driving drunk is is dumb. Uh, So all of that is to say that hopefully he can learn from that. And that leads us into our first question over from uh, Twitter, at Rumlings Q&A. Dennis Hinkson asks, how many games does Ed Oliver get? Um, Assuming that he means suspension, I think that Ed Oliver is in line for at least a two-game suspension. Um, That's the baseline standard for a driving while intoxicated uh, conviction. And depending on what that gun charge is, we could see another game, two games, three games, four games on top of that. Um, We're probably going to see a three-game suspension for Ed Oliver, but I don't think it's going to be in 2020. They usually wait for the court system to play out in all this stuff before handing out suspensions. So usually it takes an additional year from when they were arrested to when they are suspended by the NFL. So we are probably looking at the beginning of the 2021 season for an Ed Oliver suspension, not the 2020 season. So again, the baseline is two games for a DWI conviction, um, or if he pleads guilty, it counts the same. And then that gun charge is the question mark here. If if it's just if the gun charge is dropped, it's just going to be the two games for the DWI, and that'll probably be it because he didn't crash into anybody, he didn't cause any. Uh, property damage or uh, bodily harm or or anything like that. He was pulled over. 
So two games is that baseline, and there's no really aggravating circumstances other than what that gun charge is going to mean to him. And again, we don't know details on that gun charge yet, so it's hard for us to even speculate going forward. Thanks for your question over at Rumblings Q&A on Twitter. <clears throat> Next up is B Mormon 2020 who asks us, do you think Lorenzo Alexander is serious when he says, if y'all get in a dire need, injuries, which you never know, I'm staying ready just in case, but it's only for the playoffs. I like the idea of a safety net in case the defense doesn't gel without him. Lorenzo Alexander was on with Bradley Gelber on his show and did say that he would consider coming out of retirement if the Bills were making a playoff run and needed some help. Uh, the offseason, the early parts of the season, those are really trying times for NFL players. I can't imagine what they're going to go through this year either. So it's the getting your body ready. It's, you know, sitting through the classroom and training camp and the heat and all that. So I don't doubt that Lorenzo Alexander would consider a comeback if the Bills called him in December and said, hey, A.J. Klein was just injured. We need you to come back or, you know, insert whoever it happens to be at linebacker. And that's always a possibility. Um, I, I don't Alexander has said that he one of the things he thought he was going to do when he retired was not work out as much, and he's been working out just as much as he normally would have because he says he missed it. I mean, I'm sure the quarantine and the coronavirus stuff you know, doesn't hurt that. You know, it's not like he's going a whole lot of places. He can still work out in his house, though. So, um, all that being said, I do think that the Bills would consider bringing back Lorenzo Alexander, and Alexander would consider coming back if the Bills were making a playoff run and they had an injury in their linebacker core. And I don't think that sounds crazy at all. Speaking of not sounding crazy at all, absolutely Paco tweeted us at Rumlings Q&A, how much are Super Bowl tickets? I don't know. I've never looked for Super Bowl tickets before. Let's look together. So I'm typing in Super Bowl tickets on StubHub. There aren't any events there. Oh, that's too bad. It just gives information on what's going on with it. So we're going to have to go back to Super Bowl 2020, I guess, and look at this Super Bowl tickets. Okay, here we go. At uh, NFLOnLocation.com. Ticket packages for the Super Bowl start at $5,750 per person. Um, scrolling through, scrolling through. If you want end zone seats, uh, they start at $7,000. Premium sideline seats start at $9,000. On the 50, start at $12,500 per person. So, I don't know if you were serious or not, but those are the... Uh, ticket prices for the Super Bowl, at least as of right now. So you're going to be dropping some some pretty hefty dollar amounts on Bill's Super Bowl tickets. Now, let's talk about the Bills making their way to the Super Bowl kind of as a jumping off point from your question. Uh, if the Bills make the playoffs, they're going to be a, a battle-hardened team, a season team. They're a team that went to the playoffs last year, so they understand what to expect in that those games. They're going to be going through the NFC West, which is a historically difficult division, the AFC West, which has the defending Super Bowl champion in it. They're going to be going against both of the Super Bowl teams from last year, both of the AFC championship teams from last year, and a good chunk of the rest of the playoff teams for the, the current season, 2020. So if the Bills make it to the playoffs, there's no reason to expect that they can't put a run together if they get the opportunity. Thanks for your question over at Rumblings Q&A. 
We'll be right back after this quick break. Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. Those with ambitious, out-of-reach ideas begging to become real solutions. They share a vision for how our world and our lives can thrive when bold thinking meets strong silicon. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy through the power of supercomputing. They dream of trust and privacy for all, of advancing and expanding education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to build something better, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts. Back to Twitter, where Christopher Sugar asks us, Josh Allen didn't really have much of a deep ball last season. Was that a problem with Allen and his inaccuracy as a raw quarterback, or is it because of the quality of receivers last year were lacking and that the addition of Diggs will solve this problem and open the field? This is a multi-layered question, which is why I put it after our ad break in the podcast today. I think part of it is Josh Allen. Um, It's really hard to replicate the adrenaline rush in a game, the pushing it just a little bit further in a game. You can't really replicate that in training camp or practice or, or those other types of settings, just because it's different when there's guys chasing you or, you know, you see a guy flash open and, you know, your heart starts beating a little bit faster as you grip the ball. So I do think some of it is in-game emotion and accuracy issues. Um, Allen being able to put it within five yards of his guy would be really helpful. Um, And he hasn't done that all the time. So you can see where that's not on the wide receiver when he overthrows his guy by six, seven, eight, nine, ten yards. Um, But also, I think the Bills had some pretty terrible deep ball tracking last year uh, on the team. They... Robert Foster, the the darling of 2018, one of the reasons he was pushed down the chart was because he didn't track the ball very well down the field. Uh, He has a lot of speed, but didn't necessarily have the ability to to find the ball using that speed. Now, Allen was able to hit him in 2018, and of course, that's why people fell in love with him, because he had those big touchdowns. But you know, you obviously saw that the Bills upgraded from 2018 to 2019, and then he rode the bench for most of 2019 for that reason. He had problems tracking the deep ball, and uh, you can't be a deep ball threat if you can't track a deep ball. Um, I actually think it came out pretty well. Jeff Kontrowski and I uh, joked about this at the time, but um, that very ill-advised throw down the field to Patrick DeMarco in the Houston Texans game. Uh, DeMarco tracked that ball really well and high-pointed it really well. It's just that he was limited athletically. If the Bills had some of that tracking and high-pointing from their you know, wide receivers, not their fullback, then Josh Allen's accuracy down the field would look a heck of a lot better. So uh, I think it's a combination of both of those things. I think Stefan Diggs is going to help that because he tracks the ball really well down the field. Um, but I also think that just as Allen continues to begin to manage his emotions in a game, it'll help him, I don't know, kind of revert to that practice setting where there isn't as much pressure. Just think about the, the first couple times you did whatever job you have and 
you know, how it's gotten easier over the years, how you're less in your head and thinking about it. And you're just, instead of thinking about what you're supposed to be doing, you actually just go out and do it. And the more Alan gets experience, both in practice and in games throwing those deep balls, the more it's going to become, you know, old hat, the more it's going to become less of a big deal. And so hopefully we'll be able to see him you know, land the, some of those passes in 2020. I don't think he's ever going to be a perfectly accurate quarterback. Uh, in fact, I, I think he's always going to be one of the more inaccurate quarterbacks. But if he can make up for that with his legs, if he can make up for that with his team-building prowess, his leadership abilities, and his uh, willingness to to go for big moments and thread the needle, I think that the Bills certainly can be elevated to a championship-caliber team with Josh Allen as their quarterback. So if I'm assigning blame, I'm assigning it more towards Josh Allen at this point, but it's a lot closer to 50-50 than people want to admit, I think. Thanks for your question over at Rumblings Q&A on Twitter. Last week at SB Nation was What If Week, and so for our article on What If, we went back through the Buffalo Bills wildcard game in January of 2000 to kind of hit some of the big moments that happened in that game and, and kind of reimagine what would happen if they went the Bills' way. We discussed the end of the first half where Josh Allen audibled into a run play with Frank Gore and the Bills only got one shot at the end zone because after Frank Gore got stuffed for one yard, they had to clock it and then on third down went for the end zone before kicking a field goal to end the half with uh, time still left on the clock. We talked about the opening of the second half when the Houston Texans kick returner didn't give himself up and instead threw the ball forward at the ref, resulting in what should have been an illegal forward pass and a safety, but they eventually ruled that it was a touchback, even though the kick returner never indicated that with a kneel down or letting the ball hit the ground. We talked about uh, Cody Ford's overtime penalty uh, that knocked the Bills out of a potential game-winning field goal opportunity. We talked about the sack that wasn't, um, and then Taiwan Jones running it into uh, deep into Bills territory for the game-winning field goal for the Houston Texans. Uh, that was the hit where Matt Milano knocked um, and Saran Neal, I think it was, knocked each other or knocked Deshaun Watson into each other so that he was able to stay up, but both of them uh, fell over from the impact. So that was pretty brutal. Uh, also in the comments section, somebody brought up the Dawson Knox uh, missed block where Josh Allen was running deep into Houston Texans territory. Um, if And I believe that was on that same overtime drive as the Cody Ford uh, penalty. And uh, the Bills would have been deep into Houston Texans territory with a chance to win the game if he doesn't miss that you know, very makeable block. So it was just a comedy of what-ifs in uh, that Houston Texans game. Most of the time when people talk about what ifs with the Bills, they go back to the Super Bowl. So we didn't want to do that. We wanted to change it up a little bit. So make sure you go back and check that out. This week at buffalorumblings.com, we're running a series of articles on underdogs as part of SB Nation's Underdogs Week. So we're going to be highlighting the 1980 uh, AFC East Championship team. We're going to be highlighting uh, some training camp underdogs and a few different underdog mentality things that Bills fans kind of really like to attach themselves to. They like considering themselves underdogs, um, whether it was in 2018 with Sean McDermott kind of scrappily making the playoffs on the last 
you know, few seconds of the regular season or, you know, latching on to that undrafted free agent that we really like in training camp. Uh, but uh, it's just the underdog mentality of the Bills coming off of a 17-year playoff drought or coming off, you know, an entire decade not being able to beat the Miami Dolphins in the 1970s or, you know, you go back as far as you want. The Bills have always been kind of underdogs. Uh, they weren't even the favorite to land the Bills when Ralph Wilson was looking for a team. He went to Miami first and was turned down. So uh, go check those stories out at buffalorumleys.com this week during SB Nation's Underdog Week. Folks, I wanted to remind you that there's lots of ways for you to listen to the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. Of course, you can listen in your favorite podcasting app, but you can also listen right on buffalorumblings.com. When those show notes articles come out, we embed it right on the website. If you're there and you want to listen to it there, you certainly can. Uh, also, you can ask your Google Home or Alexa to play your Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. It'll play the most recent episode from Buffalo Rumblings. So you can get your Nick and Nolan, your uh, Breaking Buffalo Rumblings, Rumblings Q&A. All of our shows are available on Alexa and Google Home if you just ask your smart speaker to play the Buffalo Rumblings podcast. We've got some exciting stuff coming down the pike on the podcast network as well uh, with some potential new shows coming and some really interesting topics coming from our podcast hosts, including a talk with Tyler Dunn, who did that Sammy Watkins story for Bleacher Report. So stay tuned to the podcast network for all of that great stuff coming into your feeds in the very near future. This show doesn't work without your questions, so get your questions in for next week's episode. You can leave a voicemail anytime at 716-508-0405. You can tweet us at RumblingsQ&A. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle. You can leave comments in the comment section of our show notes articles over at buffalorumblings.com. Email us, buffalorumblings at sbnation.com. You can send us Facebook messages, Instagram messages. There are just so many ways that you can ask your questions and be a part of our show. Uh, we always look forward to hearing from you, and especially as we get into the slower parts of the offseason, there will be lots of new things to talk about. Go Bills! Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy, of advancing education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts.